Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Robert and Nancy, such a joy to be able to uh, hear from you guys. Thank you for visiting us, and we will be praying for you. Thank you for sharing uh, with us. It's so good uh, to be with my church family. You guys are all kind of like over here. I get it, the shade. It's, it's much better. Um, but so good to be here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, coming and, and, and spreading out. And we're just, uh, just real excited after four months uh, to be able to be together. So if you have a Bible uh, or if you have your phone or whatever you use to read the scriptures, get that open to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we're gonna read that uh, in just a few moments here. And just wanna say too, I'm so glad kiddos that you're here. Uh, and so hang in there, um, and uh, I, I promise I'll make this short, all right? I'm going to do my best, at least. Uh, but Acts chapter 10, get that open. We're going to read the scriptures together uh, for a few minutes. But you know, so for most of my life, even when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, and other uh, times in my life, I've always been placed in leadership uh, positions uh, for some reason. And... When you are a leader, one of the temptations that you can experience is this feeling that if I'm going to be a leader, then I need to know everything, right? If I'm going to be a leader, I need to have an opinion about everything. When I was uh, 23 years old, I was uh, made the college pastor over at McLean Bible Church, so down, down the street. And so I was 23. This was a large ministry. I had about seven people reporting to me, four different university campuses we had ministry on. We did ministry to hundreds of college students. And uh, they put me as a seasoned 23-year-old over that ministry. And as the leader of that ministry, I thought that I knew everything. or at least thought that I had settled thoughts when it comes to theology and issues on culture and politics and all of that stuff. You gotta have settled thoughts if you're gonna minister to college students, uh, especially. And so during that time, what I liked to do is I really liked to express my opinion on Facebook. Uh, I thought that would be the best place to post those things and let the world know my knowledge, again, as a 23-year-old. Now, that was 10 years ago, all right? So yes, I'm 33 today. That was 10 years ago, which means that this year has been especially painful for me because Facebook has felt the need every single day this year to remind me, hey, look what you posted 10 years ago today. And every single day I look at what I was posting on Facebook 10 years ago and I cringe at honestly my bold ignorance on a lot of different issues back then. See, back then I had a lot of knowledge in my head. I did read a lot. I studied a lot. But there was so much that I didn't know And there was so much growing for me to do. I knew the gospel in my head. I could preach the gospel with my mouth, but the gospel still had a whole lot of work to do inside my heart. Now this morning, what we're gonna do is we're going to finish 
this really short sermon series that we've been in called Humanity. And the premise of this series has been that God is most glorified when humanity is unified. So the first week of the series, we talked about what true unity really is. And we talked about how one of the tools that God uses to achieve true unity in the church is diversity. And then last week, we studied two critical competencies that we need for diversity and unity to thrive in our church. And that was cultural awareness, and we need to be trauma-informed. So if you missed those, you can go get them on our podcast But this morning, I want to talk about one more key component that is non-negotiable for every single one of us when it comes to pursuing unity and celebrating diversity within our church. And uh, what I'm going to call this is gospel excavation. That's what I'm going to call it. Gospel excavation. Just like me 10 years ago, Many of us may be in this place where we have a lot of knowledge. We, we know the gospel in our head, but if we want the gospel to unify us together, then we need to allow it to excavate down into our hearts and unearth the obstacles that will prevent unity among us. And so I wanna study Acts 10 with you together this morning because in Acts 10, we're gonna read about Peter, the apostle Peter, going through this very process of gospel excavation in his heart, where Peter's knowledge sunk down into his heart. Now, I don't have time this morning to read all of Acts chapter 10. I told you I'd keep it short. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of what happens in Acts chapter 10, and then we'll read some select Uh, portions of that text uh, together uh, this morning, all right? So here's Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, the early church is just getting started, right? Jesus, he just ascended to be with the Father. And here's the deal, Jesus changed everything, all right? God now made a way through Jesus that we could be cleansed from our sin. So he changed everything. And so Peter and the apostles, the first disciples, they were going around preaching, hey, Jesus has changed it all because of the cross. So they're going, they're starting the church. Now in Acts chapter 10, God sends an angel to this man named Cornelius. Now Cornelius was a Gentile and he was a Roman centurion, meaning that he had command of a hundred troops in the Roman army. He was in Caesarea. So God sends an angel to Cornelius and the angel says to him, hey, send some of your men to this town, Joppa. There's a guy named Peter there. Go get Peter, bring him to yourself because I want you to have a conversation with Peter. So Cornelius obeys the angel. He sends some men to go get Peter. Now, the next day, while these men are on their way to Joppa to go get Peter, Peter uh, was praying He got a little hungry, decided to fix some food and God gave him a vision, kind of put him in a trance and gave him a vision. And here's the vision that God gives Peter. It's this vision of this white sheet kind of being lowered from heaven. And on this white sheet are a bunch of animals. 
And all of these animals are animals that would be unclean or unlawful for a Jewish person to eat. And God says to Peter, I want you to eat these animals. And Peter goes in this vision, no, God, I'm not gonna eat those animals. You know, that's unlawful. You know, that's unclean for me to be able to do that. And God says to Peter, don't call unclean what I have declared to be clean. Now, remember, this is after Jesus. Jesus changed everything. One was no longer made clean through a law where you made sure you ate the right foods and did the right rituals. Jesus was the one way to be made clean. So Peter has this vision and he's confused. He's like, God, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me to do. So the vision's over. And then God says to Peter, hey, Peter, there are three men sitting outside looking for you. Go, go talk to them. And these are the three men sent from Cornelius. And those men said, hey, God sent an angel to this Roman centurion. You need to come with us. And enough weird things had happened for the day. So Peter decided to go with them to travel to Caesarea. Okay, so that's where we're gonna pick up in our text. Peter has now arrived in Caesarea and is gonna have a conversation here with Cornelius. So I'm gonna read Acts chapter 10, verses 24 to 28. It says this. The following day, Peter entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius had called together a bunch of Gentiles, non-Jews, to gather. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. So there's all these Gentiles gathered together. And Peter said to him, you know, it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate or visit a foreigner. And then I think at that moment, the vision that God gave Peter with all the animals clicked in his head. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. All of a sudden, Peter understands the vision that God has given him. With all the animals, Jesus has changed everything. And the point of the vision, it wasn't that all foods are clean, although that is true, all foods are clean. The point of the vision was that God was preparing Peter for the reality that the gospel of Jesus was not just for Jews, but it was for all people, all nations and all cultures. That God's kingdom was not going to be a Jewish kingdom. It was going to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural, glorious kingdom. And so look at what Peter says in verses 34 and 35. He says this, Peter began to speak to everybody. Look at this. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Jump to verse 43. He says this, all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes, everyone who believes in him 
receives forgiveness of sin. Here in Acts chapter 10, God did some gospel excavation in Peter's heart. And what God had to dig out of Peter's heart was this old idea that the Gentiles, they're unclean, they're impure. You can't associate with them. And God had to dig that out of Peter. And here's what's crazy. I want you to see this. If you go back to Acts chapter two, this is Pentecost. We studied Pentecost a couple weeks ago. Peter stands up and delivers the first sermon ever in the history of the church. He preaches the gospel from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And look at what Peter says at the end of his sermon in Acts chapter two, verse 39. Peter says, for the promise is for you. So he's talking to a multi-ethnic crowd. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. The gospel is for everyone. Peter is preaching that the gospel is for all people to a multi-ethnic crowd in Acts chapter two. But for some reason here in Acts chapter 10, Peter still needed to learn this. He knew it in his head. He preached it with his mouth, but it hadn't sunk into his heart. In Acts 2, Peter knew the gospel, but here in Acts 10, God sunk the reality of that deeper into Peter's heart. And the result of this work by God, the result of this gospel excavation that's happening in Peter's heart was unity in the church. If you keep reading Acts chapter 10, a bunch of people, a bunch of Gentiles get baptized. Unity in the church, diversity in the church, because God was sinking the gospel, the reality that Jesus changes everything deeper into Peter's heart. And I believe that if we wanna have true diverse unity in our church, then we all need God to do the same work in our hearts the work where he takes what we know about the gospel and he sinks it down deep, roots out the junk, transforms us. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna give us real quick two obstacles to unity that the gospel needs to excavate out of our hearts, two obstacles that I believe the gospel rooted out of Peter's heart. So real fast, here's the two. Number one is this. Obstacle number one is this, is our ego. Our ego. Peter was raised as a little boy all the way up, believing that certain foods were unclean and certain people were unclean. He could quote the scriptures, teach the theology. He could persuade people of this. And it was probably humbling for him to receive this lesson from God here in Acts 10, because this was a moment where Peter's faith needed to mature. Peter, the leader of the church, his faith needed to mature. He needed humbling. He didn't know everything. And yet Peter did not allow his ego to get in the way. I think one of the biggest obstacles to multi-ethnic unity in the church is the reality that it's easier to be more opinionated than it is humble. And I even think when it comes to tense topics like race 
in our anxiety, we tend to speak more than we listen. And that's ego creating an obstacle to unity. And this is a topic in the church where I think God needs to do some gospel excavation, just like here in Acts 10. And the truth of the gospel is that because of Christ, there is no ego to protect. God knows us at our worst and he accepts us. That is the gospel. And it's one thing to know that in our head, but it's another thing for that to sink into our hearts to the point where we're perfectly fine. We're perfectly secure in Christ to be wrong about stuff. We're perfectly secure in Christ to be confronted about stuff. We're perfectly secure in Christ to say, yeah, I have maturing to do. There are things that I don't know yet and I need to learn. It's one thing to know this in our head and another thing to allow it to make us to be humble, to have us to be listening to one another and to create unity. So obstacle number one is our ego and obstacle number two is comfort. I think the gospel needs to come in too and kind of root out our desire for comfort. You know, in Acts 10, you can feel Peter's discomfort when he walks into that room full of Gentiles. You can tell, he's like, you know, it's for, this has always been a bad thing for me. But God has shown me that that's not true. He was being put in a situation that was not comfortable for him. And even though Peter learned that day that Gentiles, they were clean, they were accepted in Christ, even though he learned it that way, he still struggled with it. Go read Galatians chapter two, where the apostle Paul had to confront Peter on this exact issue. This was an area of discomfort for Peter. But see, the gospel will push you into uncomfortable situations for the sake of unity and reconciliation. Remember, God is most glorified when humanity is unified to the point where God sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and die upon a cross to make that unity possible. It was not comfortable for Jesus to pursue this unity. And Jesus calls every one of his followers to pick up their cross and pursue that unity as well. So what that means is that means that we have the uncomfortable conversation with that person that we've been avoiding for the sake of unity. It means we forgive each other when we wanna hold a grudge. It means have grace on people who are ignorant and educate them. It means choose to give the benefit of the doubt when what you really wanna do is assume the worst. It means giving people a chance that you don't like. It means listening to someone's story, even though you might disagree on issues. It means not allowing politics to dictate your respect for another person. And all of these things, they make us uncomfortable, but they lead us to a unity that will actually bring true comfort to our souls. Uh, that day in Acts chapter 10, because God did an excavating work in Peter and rooted out his ego and rooted out his comfort, the church began to experience true unity. 
Go read Acts 11, where Peter goes back to all the other leaders and he tells them what happened. And he says, it's time for Jews and Gentiles to come together. The Gentiles were now welcomed into the fellowship as brothers and sisters to the Jewish believers now. Friends, we are all the same in our need for Jesus. We have all fallen short. We have all loved ourselves more than we've loved God or our neighbor. And God in his grace and in his mercy made a way through Jesus that we could be forgiven, made clean and brought into God's family. That we could be reconciled to him and he made a way that we can be reconciled to one another. Because of the gospel, our ego and our comfort do not have to get in the way of our unity. And so this morning to celebrate that and and to celebrate being together again as a church for the first time in forever, what I want us to do is I want us to take communion together. If you came in, hopefully you picked up your little instant communion pack. Um, You know, communion is where we take bread and wine and in this case, a small prepackaged wafer and a little bit of grape juice. And we eat together remembering what Christ did on the cross to save us and to unify us as children of God. So here's what I would like for us to do to celebrate the gospel together, to remember it and to celebrate being together is get your communion pack, grab your wafer. We're gonna do this all together. We're gonna eat and we're gonna drink all together. Before we eat, brothers and sisters, we eat this together remembering that Jesus had his body broken so that God could accept us at our absolute worst. Because of Jesus, God is not angry at us. We have nothing to prove. We have no ego to protect. We are secure in Christ. Eat this in remembrance of Christ. Then you can get your cup and take your next layer of plastic off. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, we drink this together, remembering that Jesus shed his blood upon the cross so that we could be declared clean and pure. We are now all clean and pure. So let us all see one another and treat one another as God sees us. Drink this in remembrance of Christ.